Hello, my name is Samuel George London and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. On today's episode, I speak to comic book podcaster and super nice guy, Christopher Calloway, about what comics he would take into a solar storm reset apocalypse. But before we get into it, if you're not aware already, today, that's Monday the 29th of March 2021, I've launched a new Kickstarter for an oversized hardcover edition of the Milford Green Saga, which includes an oversized bookmark designed and signed by The Walking Dead artist Charlie Adlard. If you haven't come across Milford Green before, it's my Victorian space adventure series that follows Alfie Fairfield and Mary Wells as they battle aliens here on Earth and beyond. To have a look at the Kickstarter and see if it tickles your fancy, feel free to click the respective link in the show notes or simply go to www.tinyurl.com forward slash the Milford Green Saga. And that'll take you right there. <laughs> also, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, the Comic Scene Comic Club. Available from just £5 a month, you can get monthly issues of the History of Comics 1930 to 2030, monthly issues of the brand new Shift Comic Anthology, and two Comic Scene specials per year. To find out more and subscribe to the Comic Club, visit comicscene.org. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Christopher Calloway. How's it going? Hi, Sam. It's going great. Oh, excellent to have you on the show. Um, and uh, it's, it really is a pleasure because uh, your podcast, which we'll get into in just a moment, was kind of one of the first podcasts that I really started listening to when I, when I first started getting into comics about five years ago now, uh, maybe four, something like that. Um, and uh, yeah, no, it kind of really helped inspire me on my journey. Um, so it's it's a real pleasure to have you here. <laughs> well, thank you. That is very kind of you to say, and I've actually been doing it for about five years. Yeah. So our adventure started at the same time. Yo, uh, we have the same, well, maybe restate that. My middle name is your first name. Oh, cool. Yeah. So yeah, Christopher Samuel Calloway. Exactly. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's great it's all interconnected i love it um but uh, for those that haven't come across you just yet chris what do you do in the world of comics well what i do is i interview comic book creators and artists and editors uh that's all i do i don't do book reviews per se you know i might mention something i'm reading every once in a while but for the most part i am just interviewing people about their book about their work sometimes their body of work and then i ask them nine questions i ask all my guests I used to call that kicking back with the creator, for lack of a better name. But now I decided to go with nine questions that more or less they're all the same for each guest. And it's more to learn about them as people, as individuals. And they're not your standard questions. And the fun thing about that is the guests think about things they haven't thought about in years sometimes. And things spring to mind that surprises them. Oh, I remember that favorite birthday, that picture or post on my bedroom wall. Uh, So I keep it to nine which nine means final completion. And that's why I use it at the end of the podcast. So yeah, about five years now doing that. And it's uh, every other week on Thursdays, because I'll tell you, as you know, as a podcaster, editing is a bear. It's a lot of work. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, very much so. Um, And uh, 
yeah, anybody that has run a podcast before will can attest to that, I'm sure. Um, but uh, your 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 podcast is is such high quality, and 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 the guests are second to none. So um, it's it's a fantastic uh, listen if if people haven't come across it before. I'm sure that people can just search um, Creator Talk podcast in their yes. um, in their podcast app, and then it'll come up with it. Yeah, that is the best way. Uh, just Creator Talks Pod, even on Google, and then you'll see all the different ways you can listen to it. You know, all the podcast catchers, even those voice-enabled devices that if I say the name now, it'll probably go off, but <laughs> it works on that too. <laughs> and of course, uh, YouTube, the audio's on YouTube. Great. That's fantastic. Um, and where can, where else can people find you online, rather? Well, social media at Creator Talks Pod. That's at Creator Talks Pod. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. What I like to do there is post my Saturday and Sunday comics, either Silver Age, Bronze Age, or Copper Age, something from my personal collection. I don't take screen grabs or photos off the internet, just things that either they mean something to me uh, it, because I've had them for so long in my collection or there are things I've been looking for to add to my collection, but just something unique each week. Sometimes it ties to a guest. Uh, but that's that's how I mainly use it. Sometimes I announce who's coming up on the show or just something completely random, like what I'm doing out here in Las Vegas. Nice. Amazing. I mean, of course, all of those links are in the show notes, folks. So go uh, go follow Chris um, whilst we're speaking and, and check out all of his wonderful work there. Um, now, um, all of that aside, unfortunately, I've, I've got some bad news for you, and that is on top of the current pandemic that we're living through, uh, we've just been hit by a solar storm reset. Um, and for anybody that's unfamiliar with that term, it's basically a, a kind of an ele- electromagnetic storm that's thrown out from the sun and zaps all of our electric uh, devices. Um, and that kind of basically puts us back in the 1800s. <laughs> so, uh, Chris, what's your action plan for survival? Well, Sam, you picked the worst possible one for me. Zombies, <laughs> I can handle that. Pandemic, clearly I can handle that. Uh, earthquakes, floods, but <laughs> solar storm, that's tough because electronics, like most people, I'm very attached to them. So what would I do? Well, I guess it would depend upon the duration of this disaster. Let's assume it's going to be for a good while. Well, Fortunately, my wife and I are both on Nutrisystem right now, so our appetite is very small. We can't eat too much. So that's going to help us a bit. Uh, I think with the, the self shelf stable foods that we have, we could make do for a while because uh, obviously things are going to perish like your frozen yeah. foods. They're no good. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do have a small little grill, cheap little grill that runs on charcoal. So we could use that and uh, our propane fire pit uh outside of that you know i've got plenty of stuff to read i don't really need the electronics the -hmm. kids will probably go bananas so they'll have to build tents and forts but what i plan to do since they are five and nine is send them out begging for food because no one's going to feed me my wife but they might feed the kids so kids (laughs) go out there and scrounge up some food because i would imagine the grocery stores are going to be nuts how do you communicate with anyone about your current situation? You don't have power. We have a battery-powered radio in case something happens, but I don't know. Well, Sam, what would be the extent of this? Would things be fried for good, like my car won't start? Yeah, yeah. We're looking at a good year without oh, okay. power. Okay. Um, yeah. So you're, you're going to have to go kind of you know, either solar 
um, yeah. wind uh, and uh, wind up stuff, mm. basically. Well, you know, out here, there's a lot of solar, actually. Yes, uh, I don't have it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess my Mustang will be dead and I would need a real Mustang, an actual horse to get around. Mm. But I think it, most of it would be for me trying to pull together the neighbors to work with each other since this won't be an infection situation. And hopefully the government, the current administration to have more confidence in, can communicate to the public their plan for getting food distributed, medications for people would be tough. Um, I'm fortunate that nothing would kill me if I didn't have it. But yeah, I think food would be my biggest worry and how long I can make what I have last and how much people can kind of come together and do a loaves and the fishes and get by until we receive help from the government. That would be the hardest thing. I'd, I would have to rely, <laughs> unfortunately, on state and local government to help me out. Um, hopefully things don't get too crazy and violent. Yeah, uh, I, that, I'm concerned about people being me, me, me and the opportunists coming out like the pandemic. I've got hand sanitizer. It's like 50 bucks a bottle or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I would just try to work with people as best I can and make do with what we have. And fortunately, if it's out here in Las Vegas, it's mainly super hot and in the shade, you'll survive. So water is going to be very important. And if the utilities don't work, I have my hot water heater for water in the short term, which should last us a good while. And if it worked at all, I'd probably fill the bathtubs just to have potable water to drink. Don't worry about the showering. There's perfume, cologne. We'll be fine. Yeah. That's about the best I can do, Sam. I don't know what else I would do. <laughs> that, man. This is a tough in, one. Chris, you got into great detail. That's that's absolutely fantastic. I love it. There's, there's been a lot of thought put into that, so it's much appreciated. Um, but uh, from from what I gather, um, as you said, kind of food is 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 one of the top priorities. Yeah. Um, and uh, once your your children come back from a from a good begging session, <laughs> and they've ma- managed to gather uh, a, an absolute feast for the family to enjoy. Um, you all sit around the dinner table and uh, the subject of comics comes up mm. um, and they kind of wonder about how you got into, into comics yourself and, and all of that jazz. And the first uh, question that they ask you is, what's the first comic you remember enjoying? Ah, yes. Well, kids, the first one I remember enjoying is Marvel, Tears, T- Marvel Tales number 25. And it did not have the cover on it. It had a fantastic four cover on it with the creature from the lagoon. And I inherited this from an aunt. It belonged to her son. It was completely defaced. It had uh, fangs on characters and such. But the reason why I like this book so much, and I remember it most of all, and first of all, is because it had, I think, one of the greatest battles in comics ever by one of the greatest teams ever. It was Thor versus the Hulk, written by Stan Lee. Art by Jack Kirby. And it was a reprint from Journey into Mystery 112. And the ferocity in the Hulk's face, the power that Kirby was drawing with, as he always has, but especially at that time of the Hulk, with the flathead. Uh, and this story starts with college students, like both yelling at each other, who's strong and they held the signs and cutouts of Thor and Hulk's head. And then Thor just sits down on the curb and say, well, let me tell you a story. And it's about Avengers number three, when they fought the Submariner and the Hulk. And this is kind of an offshoot story that goes further into the battle between the Hulk and Thor. And that one, to me, just the 
the ferocity of the Hulk's face, his eyes bugging out, pounding on Thor, uh, speaking English. This is the early Hulk with the flat head. So that's my favorite. That is my favorite and my first that I remember. And yeah, yeah, that would be the one. It's amazing. And and was that that straight off of a newsstand or? Yeah, yeah it was a newsstand book. Uh, yeah, secondhand though. It was from a cousin. So right. I inherited that and it was, like I said, beat the heck. But uh, I loved it anyway. Mm. And I don't know where it is. <laughs> I had oh, it for no. decades and I've gone through all my books moving out to Las Vegas. I can't find it. I oh, hope I didn't man. trade it. <laughs> Let's hope not. Maybe uh, it's in there somewhere. I hope so. I really do. <laughs> Definitely. Um, but uh, oh, it's so great to kind of have that, have that memory um, of, of of getting a, a book like that, um, in particular off of, off of a newsstand, um, kind of when when those things were were yeah. around. Um, and uh, obviously, that's where your love of comics kind of started. Um, and have you been an avid comic reader ever since? Yeah, I read them after that. My dad would bring me comics when I was sick, when they still made house calls and the doctor would come and he would bring me medicine and a comic book or two or three or a variety. And then I would say when I started getting an allowance, $1 a week in 75, and I was like, well, what do I do with a dollar? $1 can buy me four comics or 25 cents a piece. So that's when I started buying avidly. And I paused during high school and college. One, because of money and just other interests. And I kind of lost interest in the books. I'm, I'm not sure why. I think I mm. hearken back to that first comic book that I read. And that's the characters that I liked. And I liked Kirby's artwork. And he stopped working at Marvel. He came back. And then he left again. And I think I just wasn't seeing the characters that I wanted to see. So I stopped. But mm. I did come back after college. And ever since then, haven't stopped. Excellent. And what was it that brought you back? <sighs> money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Money money reappeared. I, I, I had a job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a job. And I got into, well, actually, when I think about it now, uh, Roy Thomas and his wife did a miniseries, The Original Human Torch. At the same time, John Byrne released Submariner. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It was Namor number one. So this was 1990. And then Ghost Rider was coming back and Valiant Comics started coming out with Solar, Man of the Atom, Magnus mm-hmm. Robot Fighter. So that got me deep into it again. Those books in particular. Nice. That's excellent. Um, but uh, yeah, as, as long as you, you, you came back is the main thing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's great. Suck me back in. Um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> as they always do. Um, now, uh, going back to the dinner table, the next mm. question that rocks up is what's the funniest comic or the most laugh out loud moment in a comic that you've read? Well, that's a tough one, but and I can't pick a particular moment, but the comic book, the series that makes me laugh the most when I read it is the goon. And that is written and drawn by Eric Powell. Others have written it and it's still funny, but just nothing like Eric Powell's because the goon is fighting monsters and, and villains in his little town. It's kind of a 30s throwback type setting, like the Depression era. And Frankie's his little buddy, and he's got such a mouth on him. It's almost like our gang kids or Bowery Boys or something like that. And it just, I will laugh out loud every time I read that comic. In fact, I gave copies to my wife to read, and she does not read comics. Doesn't Is not into them. It's not her bag. But she finds them funny. And 
when I was <laughs> when I was in the hospital with my wife and my first son was being born and we're waiting and he comes out and he's he's got some of the uh, uh, mucus in his lungs. I forget that the jaundice. Yeah. So we had we had to stay a little longer for a few days to make sure he was okay. Get some special you know sunlight uh, UV rays to mm. overcome that. And while I'm in this tiny room with him in this little incubator with my wife waiting to get out, I'm reading the goon. That is what is occupying my time. <laughs> so, <laughs> so kids, I was reading the goon when you were just hatched. So yeah, I find memories of that. And it's a great series. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, yeah. Not only does it make me laugh out loud, but uh, it also kind of gives you uh, family memories as well. Indeed. That's yeah. absolutely beautiful. Uh, now changing gears, uh, the next question that comes up is what's the saddest comic that you've read ah well sam that one was fairly easy for me to think about uh yeah the saddest one i would say would be marvel zombies returns because spider-man is a great superhero and all the values with great responsibility with great power comes great responsibility yada yada and in this story we have the spider-man from the zombieverse enter into I can't remember which universe it was, but like universe proper with Spider-Man and the zombie Spider-Man goes around killing all the villains in horrible ways, horrible ways. And the Sandman encounters Peter Parker, Spider-Man, the real Spider-Man. And he thinks, oh, this is that sick Spider-Man that's been killing all the villains and mutilating them. I'll fix him. And in this sequence, he shoves his body down Peter's throat. He turns into sand, throws, shoves himself down there expands until Peter's guts start to expand. Like his stomach gets mm. distended. And he, and this is the saddest thing. He's like, Gwen, calling out Gwen's name, and explodes. Oh, no. And I'm like, I don't want to read that again. So <laughs> I traded that one. I had to get rid of it. Yeah, that was not only gross, but so sad because of, you know, it's the actual Spider-Man and he was framed for this, uh, these horrendous crimes where uh, the, the zombie Spider-Man's killing all these villains. And there was another one and it would be second to that. I can't remember what the book was, but I got it as a freebie. It was the Batman who laughs. And it's when Bruce loses it, when the Joker kills Robin and Batgirl. And I have never, never thrown away a comic. I threw it away. Oh, I'm sorry. I recycled it. Yeah. I didn't like it at all. I didn't like where it went. I didn't like the way it portrayed Batman. You know, again, Spider-Man, Batman, not the way the character should be or something horrendous happens to them irreversible i not into that sorry nice right. nice job good story but not into it <laughs> yeah not at all don't, don't, don't want to remember that one mm-hmm. um but uh no yeah oh my gosh that that um that death of spider-man just oh. sounds horrific <laughs> it look it sounds horrific and it looks horrific and, and it's not gr- it's not gross 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 i mean it's a comic but still yeah the words and the pictures did a good job gross me out <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And just, yeah, the pain of, you know, him, him mm. showing out Gwen's name and it's like, oh, oh man. like Yeah, very hard heart wrenching. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, excellent. Uh, now, uh, changing gears once again, uh, mm. the, the next question that crops up on the dinner table is what's the scariest comic that you've read? Ooh. Yeah, that's uh, that again, too, is tough. Now, I think I will take it back to the first comics that I read because they're going to have the biggest impact on a kid. As an older adult, things like Marvel Zombies, the Fantastic Four Ultimate, Fantastic Four with Greg Land doing the artwork, scary looking, frightening. But as a kid, what frightened me? 
When I was, I would estimate, about six years old, I received a copy of Marvel Superheroes 28. My dad picked that up for me when I was homesick. And it reprinted Tales of Suspense 74, If This Go Be Mine. And what happens in this one is this enervation intensifier used to treat Happy Hogan, Tony's friend, Iron Man's friend, from injuries that he sustained, turns him into the freak, which we've probably seen multiple appearances in Iron Man comics. Happy turns into the freak. And it turns him into a mindless brute. Andy loses all his hair in the process. He becomes this big, bald-headed guy like Mr. Clean on steroids, but mean. (laughs) And it was a creepy transformation. And to me, it was horrible that this happened to his friend. Like he completely changed an eye as a kid didn't know. Was this forever? You know, is this the end of his friend? He's going to become this brute? In the same book, there was a reprint of Daredevil number eight, The Stoat Man Cometh. And I believe uh, that might have been Wally Wood's art. And the stilt man at the end of the story, he gets shrunk by his own shrinking ray. And from what I can tell, into nothingness, he is gone. That to me, that just blinking out of existence beyond your control, just shrinking and then poof, that terrified me. So those two stories in that book were very dark. After reading that Thor versus Hulk around the same age, which was very bright and shiny, these were a lot darker, it seemed to me. So, yeah, those were the most horrifying to me, especially at the age I was. Yeah, and sorry, how how old was that? Six. Six years old. About six. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. No, that's going to have an effect on you 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Those things stick with you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, my my daughter's, I mean, she's only three at the moment. But, uh, yeah, you know, the amount of... Uh, nightmares that she has that involve uh, oh. wolves, like from oh. three, you know, three little pigs mm-hmm. and uh, and all that jazz. It's just, you know, it's almost puts her right like, off bacon. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know if it's that strong. Um, she, she still waffles that down, but <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, yeah, she's she's certainly like really kind of it's it's had an effect on her, but like on a six year old who's kind of you know read it reading that oh gosh yeah and the imagination her own imagination is just you know firing away too on top of that a hundred percent man um and like there's like giants in her dreams now and all sorts you know going on so oh my gosh yeah very 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 active if they're really good dreams tell her to write them down and she can make stories that way yeah yeah, 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 exactly. I'll tell you what was interesting. Uh, this is a complete, you know, tangent here. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, you know, we, we, we visited a um, a country park over the weekend. And uh, on this, in this country park, there's like a, there's literally like a storytelling chair with like loads oh. of like, you know, woodland stools mm-hmm. there. And uh, me and my wife had to sit down on these stools and listen to her tell us a story. Well, she sat on this, this, you know, beautiful kind of wooden throne that was made that had like once upon a time on the top. And so she, she's perhaps a storyteller. Um, Very good. To be. So it's awesome. That's great. <laughs> yeah, man. Sure. Um, yeah, man. Um, I, hope, I hope that continues, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but uh, go back to our podcast here. Um, the, the next question <laughs> that crops up is uh, what is your favorite cover? Yeah. That's a tough one, and I'm going to discount two individuals that are fine artists, in my opinion. Alex Ross, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not a single cover I don't find amazing, yeah. so I can't, I can't put him in the mix. 
Uh, Steve Rude, I have to take him out of the mix because I love his art too. He's like a fine artist. He is a fine artist. And of his work, my favorite is probably Action Comics 1004 where he has Superman flying up in the air and there's he's flying with the geese. I think they're geese or ducks. Right. I think they're ducks. And it's a beautiful, beautiful picture. And I had it up on my wall for a while just to look at it. Uh, but I'm going to discount those two because I can't just pick one. If I had to mm-hmm. pick one, I'm going to go back again to the past when I was, oh, I think around six years old again. That 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 big year when comics first hit my life. Mm-hmm. And it would be Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. number 18. Odd for a favorite cover. Why? That cover was done by Herb Trimpey and John Severn, I think, did the inks. And it was a gritty take on the cover from Strange Tales number 142. And why this – I thought this was great is that Nick is on the ground unconscious. His helmet is shattered and Mentolo is leaning over him with this evil look on his face. And he's going to place this mask, this mind control mask helmet onto Nick. And Nick's completely helpless, helpless and unconscious. So I'm like, oh my God, you know, this is horrible. Because again, as a kid, I don't know what the outcome's going to be. I still haven't caught on. Hey, this is a franchise. Yeah. These things are going to keep going. <laughs> but, and I never, I did not, I never had the book until recently, <laughs> actually. I've only seen the cover and I saw it in a comic my dad bought for me, X-Men number 65, a reprint of the Mimic story in X-Men, but it had in the advertisements, the house ads, it had that cover next to a cover of fear. So you have this cover paired with the fear comic book that Marvel was putting out. And I thought that was, was a really cool cover really did show the threatened danger that Nick Fury was, uh, was immersed in at that moment. Yeah, it, it really does. And again, kind of on the, on a six year old's imagination, you know, it looks pretty kind of, intense um yeah Yeah. grim yeah grim grim situation best word for it um and uh no yeah it's a it's a a great cover um kind of it it tells a story all of its own in in one shot and that's what a a, a great cover does yeah exactly well put (laughs) thanks man um now um moving on to another of my favorite questions and that is what's the most meaningful comic to you you know all the ones i mentioned since they go back to when I was young and mm. all the ones I bought when I was a kid with my allowance, I think those, those collectively mean the most, but if I had to pick one, I'd have to cheat a little bit and use a trade paperback. And this is one of the old trade paperbacks. It was uh Marvel's son of origins. And I wasn't sure when I bought it, but fortunately for me, I wrote in pen on the inside cover when I bought it. Cause I guess it meant so much at the time, mm. February, 1976. And I was waiting in the chuck wagon with my parents. That was a restaurant, this diner-esque restaurant. And it was shaped like a chuck wagon. Listeners in the U.S. will, excuse me, listeners in the U.S. will have seen these. I'm sure they're not around anymore, but they were like a, it was shaped like a big covered wagon. And I was bored. We were waiting. It seemed like an eternity to have dinner. So I said, I'm going to go to the Walmarts right across the, uh, the street here. It was in the same side of the street. It wasn't, you know, they're not going to let me <laughs> run wild no, across the highway. Just walk across the street. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Go ahead. One less mouth to feed. Go ahead, kid. Have fun. But I walked over to the store and there I saw Marvel Son of Origins. And I flipped through it and I had never seen these very, very early Marvel comics. And in it was Avengers number one. 
and Daredevil number one reprints and X-Men number one reprints among others. But those had Iron Man in the golden armor, which I'd never seen. And it had Daredevil in that yellow uh, outfit with the the sweater. (laughs) And uh, the X-Men, Iceman looked like a snowman. And I was like, what is this? It's like I stepped into a parallel universe of these characters I had read, but I'd never seen this take on them. So I had to buy it, and I did. And it wasn't long before I went back, and I think it was April of that same uh, – the next year, I went out and bought the origin of Marvel Comics. So that one had the most meaning to me because it showed me the depth of the Marvel Universe, how far back those characters went and had evolved to the point where I began reading them and looking to read them. That's awesome. Um, and again, it's, it's fantastic to have that, that such an early memory. Um, it kind of you know it gives you a strong foundation for it for a love of comics, um, and and just out of interest, have you have you ever tried writing comics or drawing comics yourself? Um, I tried drawing comics just for fun. I, I posted something oh, a month or so ago, and I just like right. referenced the Kirby cover because my son's like, I want you to draw with me, and I'm like, oh god, I haven't drawn so long. And not I, I took some art classes, but I was never an artist. Uh, not like the people who are just great artists. So a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I do okay, but I'm not an artist and uh, never tried writing. Uh, I think I'd have to just find the right thing. I, I don't even know where to start. Yeah. Maybe I will at some point. I guess yeah. I better hurry. <laughs> Time's running out. Yeah. There's time, but I, maybe at some point, but I never, I never have. No, I haven't. No. Well, you, just, you're definitely a better artist than me. Hundred uh, <laughs> percent. If you've ever looking looked in uh, the behind the scenes kind of pages in my in my comics, you'll see the stick men that I draw for for the layouts for my art. <laughs> the layouts, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I'm good at layouts. <laughs> you know, I'm great at that. But like the actual <laughs> inking, you are penciling and inking, yeah. no chance. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, you, you. I'm sure you can appreciate this when you try to draw something. You just see how difficult it is and how much work it takes and how people have to spend every day practicing mm-hmm. and working at it. You just don't pick up a pencil and wham, unless you're just purely gifted. Mm-hmm. I can see how much work that takes and thought to get the right perspective and the right proportions. And mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> it takes, it's a, it's a commitment for a lifetime. And if you love mm-hmm. it, do it. <laughs> oh, too right. Too right. I mean, but what kind of worries me, I guess, is just when, when people really do kind of take it for granted, I guess, people that that can't appreciate art and particularly comic art as well like how long that that actually takes and the fact that oh, with yeah. comics as well you know you've got different panel sizes and you meet the, the layout in itself is an art uh, the panel layout um and uh yeah they, they, it's just you kind of have to educate people on how difficult it actually is that are non-comic readers yeah slow down and look at those panels when you're reading your comic look how they're laid out look at the detail Look how much goes into it. And even those that aren't super detailed and they have gigantic panels still look at you know, what the artist, artist is putting into that. It's uh, taking a crack at it. You see how hard that is. And that is really a skill, really a talent. Yeah, it really is. That's awesome. Um, and uh, talking of talent, uh, the next question that crops up is what's the most underrated comic that you've read? Oh, hmm. The most underrated I would say would have to be a magazine. It is a comic, but it's magazine size. And there's a very 
devout following, among, among which I am one, and that would be The Creeps, and it's by Warrant Publishing, which is a take on Warren Publishing, for which they're being sued currently. <laughs> yeah, uh, but they're still publishing over the name, over the likeness Uncle Creepy being used. And they make a magazine called The Creeps, and the Warren one was Creepy Magazine. And it is black and white art, which I was never a big fan of, but I really appreciate this now because you see all the detail. Mm. And it's by artists uh, that that very much draw in that early 70s black and white magazine style. And some of the writers, at least one of them, Don Glute, still writes these stories. He wrote for Creepy, and now he writes for The Creeps. And I've, I've talked to some of the people on the show uh, that work on The Creeps, and I just love it. It's maybe like 48, 50 pages with multiple stories in it. And they're not is continuing. Monthly, sorry? It is running is- every other month. Right. And like one month is the creeps, and the next month now they have uh, Camilla the Vampiress. So they're alternating month to month with those two, and they're very much along the same vein. Hmm. But yeah, oh, really, I don't think people know right. much about it. If they go to the comic shop every Wednesday to pick up comics, mm-hmm. I most of them don't carry it. You have to ask for it. Um, it's basically order through your, your previews, diamond previews, and that's your your comic shop to get it, which they do for me, mm-hmm. or go to Barnes and Noble. And that's where it is. Ah, right. Yeah. That's it. So, yeah. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah. And do, do they have any online stuff at all? No, it's all print. Mm-hmm. And you can print. preview it online, but yeah, there's no digital download. You have to buy the print yeah. copy. I'm and just it, wondering if we can get it over here in the UK, um, through yeah. brick and mortar or, uh, you know, if you pre-order it, you probably could. Yeah. And it's got that great paper smell to it. And it's just like stepping into a time capsule. And they're just, mm. you know, your kind of Twilight Zone-y, twist-ending type stories. Mm. Uh, but they're well-written and they're creepy. And there's some humor in there. And you'd probably get like four or five stories a magazine. Lots of letters. And speaking of writing, they do have submissions. People can submit their own short stories or drawings. Uh, to the magazine, it might be published. All right, excellent. and I assume you can just do that kind of through the website, yeah, and things. I think if you just Google the creeps, uh, yeah, Warrant Publishing, it, it kind right. of comes up. It, it'll come up. There. Yeah, and you can get a preview of what kind of stories are in there. You'll be able to see it online, but yeah. they just have print right now. No, but that's I, great. No, I'll tell you what. What's interesting? So there's a there's a magazine, a comic magazine over here called The Phoenix. Um, mm-hmm. that's kind of, it's, it's for kind of, you know, eight to 12 year olds really. Um, but they, they just do print, you know, okay. you can't get it digitally. I mean, it's yeah. all kind of mail orders and things like that. It's kind of really hearkening back to, to my childhood, <laughs> everything. Yeah. And, uh, there's, there's kind of, there's a big wave of that, you know, um, of, you know, just print, <laughs> you know, you can't get this digitally. You have to have it in your hands and it has to come through the post and, and all of this. It's, uh, it's kind of cool. Yeah. That, I mean, that's the way it was when I bought comics as a kid. There wasn't the alternative of, well, I'll get the digital edition if they sell out. I missed it. And I'll get the trade. Well, they weren't making them yet. They had a few, like Son of Origins, but they weren't. So if you missed it, you missed it. You had to hope that Marvel reprinted it or you found it at a secondhand store or a comic book shop, of which there weren't too many at the time. Exactly. Um, yeah. And it's it's such a different landscape these days. Yeah. 
isn't mm-hmm. it? Um, and trying to kind of you know teach teach kids about the fact that you know if you if you missed something back in the day, you missed it. There's yeah. <laughs> like there's no um, getting it on YouTube or um, you know downloading it digitally. It's like it's gone. <laughs> well, if you have the Phoenix or Creeps, and you have a solar flare, you're okay. Because yeah. if you didn't digitally download it, you can still read it. A hundred percent. That's a good, very good point. Uh, now, uh, we're coming on to our penultimate question in mm. regards to comics. And that is, what comic would you recommend to a friend who's never read comics? Yeah, well, that's a hard one because it depends on what the person likes. Like, do they like a mm. Western? Do they like a mystery? Do they like superheroes? And most people who don't read comics probably aren't into superheroes. So if I had to pick one, I would recommend Second Coming by Ahoy Comics. Risky, because it's about the second coming of Jesus, but I think that it is not disrespectful mm-hmm. being raised Catholic. I can say that. Uh, <laughs> I think that it's very funny. It's I, I put it up there with The Goon, but I think The Goon's funnier. But it's, it is funny. It's written by Mark Russell. He wrote The Flintstones, uh, if you recall, and Richard mm-hmm. Pace does the art. And this is the Jesus that I would want to know, frankly, because he seems like a really good, upbeat. You know, this is not the apocalyptic Jesus of the early Gospels. This is kind of like, hey, (laughs) I want to make the world better. I'm back. And he's not on the same page as Dad. Uh, Dad's the very – he's kind of – yeah, he made the earth and he's he's just not a real – not really into it. He's kind of like, I'm going to be done with this. So it's a uh, kind of an irreverent look at it, but I think it's a really good book. And if you're not into comics, I would suggest this is a good one to read because it's a really good story, really good art, and uh, just something that I don't think you can get anywhere else. I really like it. And uh, buy a hard copy (laughs) if you can. I would Um, recommend it just in case it's a solar flare. Yes, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) But that sounds like a lot of fun. Um, And that's definitely one that I'm going to probably check out. that does sound fun. I think you'd enjoy it. Yeah. It's on its second series. It runs like a, like a minis for like five issues or so. And now they're on the second one. Ah, oh, awesome. That's great. Um, now, uh, on to our last question in regards to comics. And that is, mm-hmm. if you could only take one comic into the apocalypse, which would it be? If I had to take one, if I could find it, I would take that Marvel Tales number 25 There's no value to it because it has the wrong cover on it. It's vandalized on the inside, but it's the first one that I remember being read to me. So that would be it. Barring that I can never find it. I have a reprint. (laughs) I'll take that. (laughs) I have, I have a new copy of the reprint that is not defaced, but uh, I would take the original if I could find it Perfect that I had. Oh, absolutely, and we're happy to provide that for you. Um, and then along with that, uh, mm-hmm. what weapon, tool, or useful item would you like to take into the apocalypse with you as well? Uh, is this just one item? Uh, yes, just one one okay. weapon or tool or useful item. Okay. So if I had to pick one weapon or tool, I had it down to two in my head. Um, I would say I have a... <laughs> Duct tape is I, your friend, Chris, by the way. Well, you can, you can, you yeah. can attach them together with a bit of duct tape and then it becomes one. Ah, if you can do that. I thought you were going to say duct tape. Well, yes, duct tape. Uh, well, if I could do that, and I do have duct tape. I have a painting pole extender. 
that I purchased recently to paint my cable wire and cable wire on the outside of my house because uh, you have to do that it has to match the house, <laughs> so I painted the right, wire. Right. Uh, but that can act as a bow staff, and I can extend it, so I have reach. I can go out ten feet and swing versus someone being in close. I would want a weapon that I have some reach with. Also, it's a nice walking stick, so it doesn't necessarily look like a weapon. Or people might be thinking I'm going painting, but I think that would be a good non-lethal weapon to take. Now, if I wanted to get lethal, I have a branch pruner I just bought that folds like a gigantic pocket knife with nasty teeth on it. (laughs) Duct tape that to the pole, and that'd be great for zombies, but that would really mess people up. I don't think I'd want to do that, so (laughs) I'd probably just go with the... (laughs) The painting extension pole as a bow staff. Awesome. That's great choice. Great choice. Well, Christopher Calloway, thank you so much for sharing your comics for the apocalypse. It's been a real pleasure. It has been a delight, Sam. I really enjoyed this. You have a fantastic show and I look forward to hearing a lot more of them. Thank you so much. Uh, And for the listeners one more time, where can they find you online? Well, I am at Creator Talks Pod. So the website is... CreatorTalks.com. That's CreatorTalks.com. But if you Google Creator Talks Podcast, there you will see I'm available on Apple Podcasts, uh, Podbean, Stitcher, YouTube, all the usual platforms. You can find it. Amazing. Thank you so much, Chris. It's it's been a real pleasure. And uh, I'll, uh, as I say to all my guests, I'll, I'll, I'll see you on Twitter. <laughs> Great. Thank you. <laughs> Take care, Chris. Have a good day. Thank you. You too. Thanks again to Christopher for being on Comics for the Apocalypse. It was an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will it let me know that you liked it, but believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. If you'd like to check out Christopher's work or follow him on social media, those links are in the show notes, along with all our own links to the various areas of the internet. Speaking of which, if you haven't already, be sure to visit Comic Scene's website at comicscene.org for comic news, the comic club, and other fun sequential art stuff. And finally, as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the next week, I'll see you next Monday. Bye for now.